This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Episode number 201, 200 of the Greatest Stories of All Time, Part 2, Stories on the Page. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. Strangers and aliens. I am your father's best friend, Palmer. Versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that He created something. So we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens podcast. Hello and welcome back to Strangers and Aliens. I'm Ben. Ben Avery, and I'm here just to stitch between this episode and last. This is part two of our 200th episode celebration, where we talked about, or we are talking about, I should say, uh, 200 of the greatest stories of all time. Uh, we recorded this out of order, out of sync, out of whack, and so uh, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into when we started, and when we did start, we realized this is a monster, monster, monster of an episode. And so... Uh, in that regard, we split it into two. Part one, which was the previous episode, the actual episode number 200, was uh, 100-ish of the greatest uh, screen stories of all time. 50 TV shows, 50 movies, plus some listener feedback. This episode, we'll do the same thing. We're going to talk about books and comics. We'll have listener feedback from a handful of different people. And then next episode, episode 202, will actually be a little bit of a continuation of this because there is still some feedback that we're going to be uh, spinning out into that episode. You'll get to it when you get to it, and when we release it, you'll see what we mean. But for now, I'm just going to turn it over to uh, Steve and Evan and me from the past. Okay, so top 50 books. Now, this these lists here, the, the top 50 books, top 50 comics... Um, we did not, uh, Dr. Jace did not help us with these lists. And so there's only three of us making, building the top 50 here. Although, like you've heard with all the different um, listener feedbacks that we've gotten and, and some other podcaster feedback that we've gotten, um, you've heard other comic book um, and other book references. Uh, so here we are, though. Though, oh, man. Guys. This is a long episode, <laughs> so let's let's just jump into it. Let's make it count. You guys ready? Yes. Number fifty. I don't know what this is. Hooray! And and the thing is, we're as we go through this list, there are going to be a ton of things where probably one of us have read it and no one else has, right. or one of us has read it and liked it. And no one else liked it, but um, (laughs) because of the way this this whole list thing worked, this is the way it's coming out. And honestly, it just gives us a chance to talk about some cool stuff. So, Evan, Adam Raccoon series by Glenn Keane. What in the world is that? 
Okay. Keep it brief though, because we got a long night. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It's a it's a picture book series. It's for kids. It is a Christian uh, uh, parable series. So he's taking different things and making his own parables with woodland characters. What's the name? And of it? it's Adam called Raccoon. the Adam Raccoon series. It is no longer in print, but if you oh. can get your hands on these, man. Oh my goodness, they are so good. The messages are powerful, and the art is incredible. We use this in children's ministry on when I travel with Life Action, and I was looking through them one time. I'm like, man, the art in this is so good. Who drew this? Glenn Keane. He wrote it and drew it, and he was the supervising animator for, like we said, The Beast, and he did characters on Aladdin and Tarzan. And Very cool. He's a senior Disney animator. He was the lead animator for Ariel's character in Little Mermaid, so there's a reason the art looks good. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> All right, number 49 is Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Service, which is – or not Detective Service, Detective Agency, written by Douglas Adams. It's his yeah. not Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, <laughs> but it's the same vibe, and there's a, it's a two-book series, uh, but I only included the first one, and uh, it's I like it a lot. There's a BBC series on TV right now that I haven't had a chance to see that I want to. But, yeah, I've heard about that. All right. But yeah, it's it's that whole sci-fi vibe that you get from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but it's it's on a much more earthly scale. But you have things like the god Thor showing up and there it's it's just some really weird, interesting and fun, funny, goofy stuff. So all cool. with some philosophical heart to it. <laughs> Number 48. All of Norse mythology. <laughs> now, the the theme it being stories, greatest 200 stories, 200 of, of the greatest stories of all time. Um, but this one was from your list, Steve. Yes. Uh, typical um, Steve cheat here. Well, it's not, really, of, but... it's not really a cheat because it is referencing a specific book that I didn't have handy at the time. So I put it in there so I wouldn't forget. And then I just never put in the actual book. And to my discredit, I can't actually find the title of the book. I'm searching Amazon <laughs> as we speak. And, uh, um, this is not, uh, Snorri Sturluson's prose Edda that I'm talking about, even though that's some wonderful stuff too. I'm talking about this specific book and it was a I book. Think that I was, know what you're talking about. It was referenced in, uh, Walt Simonson's run on Thor. And he was uh, people were oh. asking what his uh, what his his references were for this, and he said this person in this book. And at the time, I got it back in the you know eighties, um, because you know the the his run on Thor was so amazing. Um, and now I I've left the book upstairs, and my kids are reading it or something like that. So I have no idea where it is. But anyway, it's it's a fantastic book, and if I find it, I'll just yell it out in the middle of uh you know episode uh, item number 23 or something so i'll keep okay looking. i'll keep looking <laughs> but it's just it's fantastic stuff i mean it's it just goes into uh you know the nature of these people who are supposed to be gods and their flaws and uh you know their version of uh the beginning of time and their version of the end of time and how it it resets itself and things like that um you know, just interesting to look at from a Christian point of view as well, because you get this, uh, you know, this this sense of, of it being so different, yet you can sort of see little things shining through, you know, and it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, still, you know, pagan 
mythology, but still, it, it, it uh, as a as a child, <laughs> a teenager anyway, um, it really affected me. It really had that uh, that effect on me. All right, number forty-seven is a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Nice one. It's a good one. Uh, the ending, real downer. But <laughs> when you you know getting there is is the fun part. And if and, you've ever seen Somewhere in Time, very similar endings. Okay. Mm, yeah, I guess. Uh, number forty-six, more time travel with H.G. Wells' Time Machine. Nice. Uh, which honestly, it's more the the classicness of it being one of the first well thought out time traveling kind of things. Right. Um, the plot itself eh, can it could be better, but I still <laughs> like it. And this is one you know some things get on there for nostalgia. This one gets on there for me as you know it's it was one of the first and. Yeah, and maybe not necessarily the best, but one of the first, and making it that makes it one of the best. So yeah, number forty-five, Dracula. Dracula, nice one. Yeah. Number forty-four, <laughs> Stephen Lawhead's Dream Thief. Whoa! You know, I tried to reread this recently. Little love I, for Dream Thief. I could not get into it. I could it- not get back into it. It's yeah. It's for for its time. It it was really cool. I think I reread it you know two or three times because it was cool back then. And it was a Christian, uh, you know, science fiction and, yeah, and that yeah. type of thing. Um, but yeah, I think maybe more for the for the nostalgia of it, I I put it up there. Okay. Uh, number forty three, the Cave of Time, more time travel. This is a choose-your-own-adventure book. It's the first choose-your-own-adventure book. It was the first one I ever had. This is nostalgia in some ways. In some ways, it's also being, you know, it's representative of a series uh, that captured my imagination. I love the choose-your-own-adventure series. I, I just, I could not get enough of them. And I even loved the, the knockoffs. But, yeah, The Cave of Time was the first one. It was time travel. You're reading a book. You find a cave. You go into the cave. You come out of the cave in different time periods, and it's it's it was. I really really liked it, and so again, this one's on there in some ways because of nostalgia. I mean, this is probably not going to be on anyone's top fifty sci-fi books of all time. You know that you're gonna, you're not going to get that list from I don't know IO nine. It's not going to include the Cave of Time unless it's the top fifty choose your own adventure books of all time. <laughs> but, uh, number forty two is nineteen eighty four. 1984. Can you have a number for a number? It is a downer as well, but it's it's also a classic. Yeah, not red. Yeah, right, I, so I'm not going to say that's one that you have to. Um, well, it's, it's, I've it's heard, a difficult one. I've heard good things. I mean, that it's interesting. It is a. I think difficult is a good word for it. Okay. Yeah. It's it, it it dives into some themes that I think even when it was written. It, if you read it any time after it was written, you'd say, oh, man, this is terribly close to where we are right now. <laughs> and, yeah, it, it, it goes to places. And it, it, it actually, um, Brazil, which I talked about in our movie section, originally was going to be named 1984 and a half. <laughs> Number 41 is Frank Peretti's The Oath. Okay, yes. It's a, it's a good one. Is yeah. it scary? Eh, there's some scary elements to it because if you if you think about it, 
it's scary. But if you're just reading it, you're just like, oh, that's not scary. But if you're thinking about <laughs> what is actually going on there and you put yourself into it, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. If you and put that, yourself into the metaphor. Yes, yes. Then you're like, oh, no, that's not good. Right, mm. yeah. It's one of those things where if, if you're not going to commit to it, you're not going to get it. So. Okay. Number 40. Ah, Alice in Wonderland. Nice. Alice in Wonderland, which is, uh, that's one I like a lot. Yep. Um, but it's, it's goofy, it's weird, it's fantasy. Um, in some ways, it's kind of stream of conscious dream yep. kind of thing. Not high fantasy, but. Number 39, Left Behind the Kingdom. Yep. Wow. That's, uh, see, okay. I'm not a big book reader, mm-hmm. so I didn't even get up to 50 books on my list. So I just basically put every sci-fi fantasy book I've ever read in my life on this list. But how would that but, get up so high? <laughs> okay, because this, this one was this one was very good. Uh, I there's Are you three. Left read this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't put it on there if I hadn't read it. There was a. Uh, there's there's three left behind books that made it on this list, and uh, they all have to do with the very end of the series. And if you don't know what left behind is, it's about uh, the end times, and uh, it's so the, this one, the left behind the kingdom, is about the thousand year reign of Christ that Revelation talks about, where he's right. come back, he's physically set up a kingdom on the earth before taking everybody to the new heaven and the new earth. He's going to be right. there for a thousand years, so it's kind of it's cool. Because you take these of what we take a picture of like what could be, what could it be like? So you have people who survive the tribulation living on the earth next to people who have come back from heaven with Jesus and are living there and they're immortal. They don't age, but the people on earth still kind of age, but they don't die. Mm-hmm. And it's just in, you know, what would be doing the you know, King David's there, the apostles are there because they all came back. Like what all these interactions, there's still sinful people on the earth because the devil's been locked away and he's going to come back out for one last hurrah at the end. And so it's really, really interesting, uh, speculative fiction. Yes. Yeah. I was, um, they actually did radio versions of the, most of the books. I'm not sure if they did it all the way up to the kingdom. Um, but very well done and professionally done. Mm. And, uh, they, uh, half an hour episode for, you know, like 12 episodes for each book. And, uh, um, I enjoyed it for that because they were doing this audio drama type stuff, you know, and they played it on radio. I think it was on Focus on the Family or something. Um, so, and I was working at Christian Book Distributors while these were coming out. So I was in the middle of the hype for <laughs> Left Behind. I mean, seriously, it was yeah. like the thing. And it was like when it dropped, it was like Harry Potter type stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like, it's like, you know, they, they, we we had the stuff in like a couple of days beforehand and we were going to send them out so people would get them on the date that it actually came out and and but it wasn't released yet and you know some people would go down like oh what's this and take a look at one or open up a box and it was like hey don't do that no what are you doing and it was i mean it was it was hype it was real you know it was like this this publishing phenomenon you didn't have so you know seeing one of them or more of them on the list i'm not i'm not surprised well wow. Like I said, the, this list is a lot of things where it's just kind of back and forth between my list, your list, Evan's list, my list, your list, Evan's That's okay. list. So, That's okay. Um, 
So this one I think is from your list, Steve. Number 38. Ted Decker's Black. Nice. Yep, there you go. Did, okay, yeah. Steve, which one Which one did you like the best out of all four of them? Black. Oh, really? Yeah, because yeah. the other ones aren't even on here. Yeah. I, well, I, 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 I put them on mine, but I guess they didn't make but it. But they didn't make it into the top 50. Yeah. yeah. I read Green. I read Green, and I've read the graphic novels of the other ones, and my favorite yeah. was Red. Really? I, I read Green because I was trying to get the job. <laughs> do the graphic novel <laughs> of that one, and it nice. did not happen. Did, Probably uh, not worth a graphic novel. Did uh, J.S. Earls get that one? No, no, I don't think they ever did green. J.S. Earls no. did the other ones. Okay, yeah. but um, I, well, I, I don't quote me on that. I know he was working on one, at least one of the other ones, if not all of them. Okay, yeah. I just like to say J.S. Earls. Anyway, um, number yeah, thirty-six. Black, oh, black was black was my just very quickly. Black was my favorite just because it was before you know too much and it's really getting into that part where you know he, is he dreaming or is he you know is the reality what we call reality is that the dream or you know and it kept going back and forth and it kept you in that dynamic suspension for so long i think it was like the entire book and i think you you know you figured it out in the later books but it was so um uh, uh when you're reading it you could just feel that dynamic tension all the time and you just you wanted it to go back to the to the reality part, but when you were in the reality part, you wanted it to go back to the fantasy part. And you were like, "Which one is real?" And it was really <laughs> cool. So that's what I liked about it. And the later ones, you find out you know more about what is actually the real thing, and it sort of takes that away from it. But that's why I like Black more than the other ones. Number thirty-seven is the Planet of the Apes novel. Wonder who's that was on uh, Evan. Know. I don't know. No. I would love to see. I, and I don't think this will ever happen, but I would love to do like the graphic novel of this story. Yeah, because it's so different from the movies. It's very, 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 very different from the movies. Mm-hmm. But I, I like, I like this novel. I've read it a couple times now. And um, number thirty-six, Left Behind: The Rapture, which is not the same as Left Behind Book One, where it talks about the people left behind. This one is about. The, it follows the people who actually got raptured. And so it's okay. a lot of cool speculative fiction about what heaven's actually like. Oh, interesting. Fun. Number, okay. number 35 is Ender's Game. Which. That's Great movie. Another, well, and the book is, is better. And the movie's okay. good. The movie's good, but the book is better. Uh, number 34 is Star Wars novelization. Okay, yeah. That first that, one. That was. That was. It, it was. You know, I think I might have read the novel before I saw the movie, and it was just just different enough from the movie and the comic book version that I just I would reread it. And you know, Luke isn't in Red Five; he's in Blue Five. And you're like, <laughs> well, why did they change that? And you know, Han Solo was like this big green lizard, and you actually well, Han Solo was a, gl- a green lizard in that book. Yeah, and, and you know. And, <laughs> Han Solo is? I believe so. Or maybe it's Chewbacca, one or the other. But uh, you meet Jabba the Hutt. And one of the funniest lines is uh, stolen from the the Marx Brothers. (laughs) Sort of. When uh, uh, Ben Kenobi is talking to Luke about leaving uh, Tatooine. And he says, um, you know, still, a duck must learn how to swim. And Luke says, what's a duck? (laughs) Because he's on Tatooine. He's never seen a duck. (laughs) 
but it was just hilariously funny. And little things like that where, you know, you learn, you know, C-3PO's middle name and, and things like that. It's just all these different things. Um, what is C-3PO's middle name? V for versatility. Um, but it's just all these things that, that you just learn about this, this mythology that, that was before the movie came out. And it's just really kind of uh, funny to look back on it now. And uh, and to see just the the differences and stuff. I I don't I haven't reread it in many many years, but I remember rereading it many many times as a youth. Number thirty three is Ray Bradbury's The Martian Chronicles. Nice. Which is a series of short stories that kind of form a single narrative. Um, and we did an episode. I can't remember which episode number it is, but we did an episode where we took some old time radio dramas and put them in order. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, not, it's not the entire. It's not the entire series, or not the entire book, but it... It was everything that old-time radio did. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was, that was really cool. That was fun. It's like a three-hour episode. It was a fun one. Yep. Uh, number 32 is the short story, The Most Dangerous Game. Wow. Which Evan had on his list, but I taught this story, and I loved teaching this story. But I, I read it in high school, and I, I just... Stuck with me as one of the most the coolest things I had in my liter- literature book. Yeah, I saw the Incredible Hulk episode. Yep, yep. Uh, every th- this is one of those things where every sci-fi show has a boxing episode, and every <laughs> sci-fi show has uh, a human hunting human yeah. episode. They did this in Dexter's laboratory. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, this this movie, watch it as a double feature with King Kong. <laughs> they filmed it on the same sets as King Kong with some of the same actors as King Kong at the same time as King Kong. Wow. They shoot during the day on the soundstage with one, and then they shoot in the evening on the soundstage with the other. And, and King Kong actually makes a cameo. Well, the... he, no, he, he, he plays the manservant who uh, parks the cars. <laughs> so. That's in the book. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Number 31, Dune. Again, classic of sci-fi. It, this one it, it, uh, influenced George Lucas. It, um, it, it just—it was one of those big things where it could just kind of changed the way people were reading reading sci-fi. Yeah. Number thirty, the Pendragon Cycle—that's a trilogy of books by Stephen Lawhead. Nice. It's, it's a trilogy that has five books in it now. Um, <laughs> Uh, sort of along the lines of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but yeah. um, it's the story of Arthur and Merlin, and it's I love the Arthurian legends, and this is one of the better ones that, that yeah. I've come across. I haven't now, read all of them. I think I've read maybe one of them, but yeah, good stuff. Lawhead. The first good one stuff. doesn't even have Arthur in it, though. I mean, the first one is like Arthur's grandfather or something like that. <laughs> Uther and, or something. Number 29 is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Yes. Number the seventh book from the series. Yes. Just phenomenal. Fantastic. I mean, it's how she wanted to wrap it up. Um, the characters playing the roles that they did, the literary roles, as well as the, you know, the roles in the, in the, in the story. It's just absolutely mind-boggling how she could take everything that she had written and all that stuff and wrap it all up and to to do it the way she did just phenomenal i won't do any spoilers for it please don't no 
Number 28, Beowulf. Yes, excellent. It definitely belongs there. And yeah. one of the oldest sci-fi books. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's not really sci-fi, but yeah, you know well, what I mean. It has, it's fantasy. It's fantasy. It's fantasy. Yeah. Uh, Gilgamesh, I guess, would be the original. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're going to go that far, yeah. Yeah. Number 27 is a series of unfortunate events, the series. Okay. Yep. Because and, uh, otherwise, <laughs> Evan's list would have been all 39 of these books. <laughs> There's 13. And yes, I had them all on there because I've read them all. And it is a great series. The writing is really good. And it's just very funny in a uh, macabre sort of way. And uh, But it's it's very snarky. Also, the way he... I guess not snarky is not the right word, but it's just very fun to read. The narrator himself is a character. And uh, the, the one thing I will say is go into it with uh, a guard on your brain if you're if you're letting your kids do it. Because uh, I, I haven't read them in a while, but there there might be some Christian values in them. But there's <laughs> I, I know that. Well, I, I, I know there's just one part that stuck with me that he says, you know, People say it's not good to lie, but that, of course, is foolishness because there's very good reasons to lie. <laughs> I was like, all right, that's not that's not good. <laughs> so, that's yeah. in one of the books. I can't remember which one. But. Well, number 26 is another one to go in with guards up, and that's Hyperion and Fall of Hyperion. Yeah. And that's Dan Simmons, and that's one that I read in high school, I read in college, and I read in uh, five years after college. And I want to go back and read again. It's harder to find time because that's a massive, massive book. It's two books. It's two separate yeah. books. But they also, you want to talk, there's there's definitely, um, I wouldn't say Christian values as much as uh, ideas that come from the Christian faith and then uh, exploration of some of those things and getting into the story of Moses, getting into the idea of missionaries and stuff like that. But that's in the context of a very... Um, I guess maybe pagan is the right word, uh, science yeah. fiction story. Yeah. And it's well-written, it's interesting, it's hard sci-fi with different genres within that. Um, but watch out, I mean, there is definitely a content warning as far as sexual content and um, language and and that kind of thing. But yeah, this is it's on the list because it did speak to me early on and it was one of the first sci-fi novels that I read where I recognized it may not agree with my worldview but it's talking about my worldview right and, and what is it saying about my worldview and how do I respond to that um, as a high school student and so that's that's Hyperion and Fall of Hyperion by Dan Simmons number 25 we're broken through the halfway point with our books now the tripods series pool of fire that's woohoo which we'll <laughs> so be doing cool an episode three. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I'll still have to check that out. We'll be doing an episode about that. Steve, if you're going to do it, if you got to do it now, man, but here's Send the me thing. Uh, here's the thing, Steve. It's yeah. a breezy read. Yeah. It's easy read. Yeah. And I think your kids will like it. Mine do. Cool. So send me the books. I can't send you the books because I have them myself and my kids use them and read them. But you know, you can visit your local library. Eh, yep. They're probably there. Overrated. They will be there. I'm sure of it. And if not, you can do interlibrary loan and you can say it's overrated, but what's the difference between borrowing from a library and borrowing from a friend? 
I get them for free from you. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, anyway. yeah. Number 24, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Uh, yes, the Philosopher's Stone. Let's not call it the Sorcerer's Stone or else we're going to get into trouble. The original book was called the Philosopher's Stone and it was changed to Sorcerer's Stone. You know by, why? Yes. America. <laughs> Way to go, America. Um, yeah. Philosopher's boring. Yeah, philosopher, and of course, who knows what the philosopher's stone is? I do, but anyway, um, wouldn't you know? It, it was one of those things. Wouldn't it be the kind of thing you'd explain that in the book, right? Yeah, but you know, you put it on the cover of the book, and it's like, I don't want that, mommy. It's about philosophy. Of course, yeah. you know what? What kid ever said that? I have no idea. But anyway, they, well, they no thought kid kids would say would that die. because they don't put that on a kid's book's titles. So, yeah. Anyway. So anyway, yes, the uh, Philosopher's Stone, uh, I put it higher on my list than uh, number seven, the the, uh, the Deathly Hallows, uh, just because it kicked off the whole thing. And in reality, if you just picked up the Philosopher's Stone and read it, it would be a really nice one book story. And it gives you the characters and it gives you, you know, a fun little thing. Um, you dig into the world a little bit, et cetera, et cetera. And you could even read it just as one and, and done if you really wanted to. Which I if, did. Yes. <laughs> if, if you want the full effect and the full body slam of the, the weight of the series, read one through seven. Um, but you can read, read number one just plain. That's why I put it a little higher on the list. Number 23, Ray Bradbury is, makes is the a... Norse, the Norse Myths by Kevin Crossley Holland. There we go. So anyway, that's I don't 40 something. I don't know. But number anyway. 23 is Fahrenheit 451 Ray Bradbury. Again, another dystopian future kind of thing yeah. about the government oppressing people and taking away their books. No books for you. Yeah. Number 22, Lemony Snicket's Lemony Snicket's unauthorized autobiography. Correct. Yeah. I don't think Which an autobiography is, can be on this list. It's a companion book for the um, series of unfortunate events. Lemony Snicket is actually a pen name and a character in the series of unfortunate events universe. Right. And the unauthorized autobiography is a hodgepodge of random papers and, th- and photographs that if you have not read the series of unfortunate events or any of the books, you will have no idea what on earth you are reading or what so it has why, to do with anything. So why is this higher than the series? Because if you have read the series, it is so interesting because he get, like that's one of the best things about the series. He doesn't give you any answers. You've got to figure them out yourself and do the reading and piece it together. And here's all the documents that you'll need in this unauthorized autobiography. So it is just – it's super fun. It gets you involved in so why, the actual universe. Why is it higher than the series though if you can't just pick it up and access it without reading the series? Because it's because a it's, list of favorites. Yeah, and it's one of the things that makes the series so interesting. It's just okay. the – yeah. Okay. Don't understand. That's okay. Maybe the made better list as well. Well, Evan liked this one better than he liked the other 13. I, I understand. Like, literally, that's that's why it's there. That's the, I understand. <laughs> this yep. is not a recommended list. This and it's is not a favorite ne- stories list. And it's not necessarily that I liked reading it better than the other ones, but it's the thing that brought the story to life for me. Okay. Number 21 is Left Behind, Glorious Appearing. 
Woohoo! This is the one where it's at the very end of the tribulation. The Antichrist and the devil rule the earth, and the Christians are their backs against the wall. And then the clouds open up, and Jesus comes back on a white horse. And hey, 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 hey! Spoilers! Spoilers! Yep, it's only a Man. two thousand year old spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> Number twenty before Tomorrowland. Oh yeah, this was wow. Yeah, yeah. We okay. we uh, I read this for. Was it for this podcast? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. When I was a guest host, and uh, it's the companion book for uh, Tomorrowland, and it is very good. It's better I than wish... Jesus coming back. I don't know. Okay, all right. It? <laughs> but it was, it was a. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's not better than Jesus coming back, but um, it was. But, but it might be better very... written. Yeah, maybe it's it's <laughs> nice. it's very it's very pulpy and uh it has it's it's just got a lot of fun sci-fi elements that it's very different than the actual tomorrowland movie uh it it's kind of like if you took tomorrowland and just smushed it with the rocketeer okay which yeah. kind of already did sort of yeah kind of but. but it's 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 set in the 40s and it's okay. super fun cool number 19 Star Wars novel, The Lost Stars. No, Lost Stars. Just just Lost Stars. Yep. Which is a Star Wars companion novel. It's canon in the, the new canon. And is it is really fun. It's about two um two officers in the Imperial Navy, and they live through all the events of the original trilogy. It's like Forrest Gump with Star Wars in a love story. <laughs> So it is. It just sucked me right in, man, and it's very good. One content warning: there is some, uh, some brief sexuality, some stuff in there. Uh, I would say it's PG thirteen. Uh, okay. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Speaking of PG thirteen, number eighteen, it's Pilgrim's Progress. Nice. It has lots of violence in it. A lot of violence. I think there's some. Uh, oh, no, wait, I'm thinking of the Fairy Queen. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. We'll get, we'll there. get there. Spoiler Perhaps. alert. Perhaps. Number 17, another one I've not heard of, The Mysteries of Harris Burdick. Guys, go Ooh, out and get this book. Go nice out and get this book. Pick. Oh, I like man. it. Ben, you, you I, would you know, love this. I you would eat this up. You would eat this up, Ben. It's, you know, okay, what's his name? Chris Van Alsberg, who does all yeah. the art. Ben's Dream. Did you pick up Ben's Dream? Nope. Uh, um, no, we want to do an episode about this guy and yeah, the 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 books and the and the movies and yeah, because yeah. he's he's uh Jumanji and yeah. uh, Zathura and yeah. Zathura and that's really yep. the only movies that are worth looking at that he's involved with. Right, that is false. That is because he also does the Polar Express, I, which uh, is probably the best two. of all his movies. <laughs> that's no oh, man. If that's the best of all his movies, I will never. Ever watch Zathura? And I'll <laughs> never watch number two. Jumanji Zathura ever again. Oh, like, Zathura is great. Anyway, let me talk about this book really quick because it's really, really unique. There are no words except for the first page, and it's presented as if the editor of the publishing company was presented with a envelope that only contained these images, and these images are of the the adventures of a guy named Harris Burdick. But and they that's do have the captions. Only- the, the, yes. Each picture has a caption. 
Yep, one caption, and that's all that the front page says. And so you flip through this book, and it's just these crazy, cool, kind of freaky, a little bit creepy pictures. Some of them, some of them are very Stephen King. Some of them are just Stephen really King. Fan- Stephen King actually wrote a story based on one of the Burdick pictures. I know. And other people have written really? stories based Famous on... Famous authors. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because so and so, you go and look at these pictures, and it's up to you to decide what is this adventure about. Because it only gives you one image, and it's a very striking image. Every image is super striking. Yeah. And yeah, Steve was saying they released another book years later, where famous horror and science fiction and fantasy writers decided to write their version of what this image was about. Yeah. And Stephen King was one of those writers. Yeah. Hmm. That's cool. I wish I had put this on my list. It's a, it's a great well, you thing. didn't have to because it was number 17. I know, but it could have been higher. <laughs> number 16 was Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. You know what? I don't think I put Frankenstein on my list. You did not. But you know what you did put on your list? Number 15, uh, which should have been on my list. Which is? The Fairy Queen. Nice. The Fairy Queen. Oh, guys, man. <clears throat> but look at that. Just the weight of one person putting it at the top of their list, it got to number 15. Yeah, well, that's because anything that's doubled up until this point was doubled at very low levels. But we're getting into some stuff that gets doubled at some higher levels, like this one. Number 14, the Tripod series, City of Gold and Lead. Ooh, it's my favorite one. Oh, wait, I don't think I put this one on my list. I didn't. Nope, it's just me. That was one person who did that. I put it high up there because it's really, really good. Number 13, The Hobbit, which is pretty... I mean, we don't really need to explain that, but no. it's a great, great book. Number 12. Okay. Asterisk on this <laughs> one. This one we let slide through, but that's because Evan had specific stories and you just wrote down the author, Steve. But yeah. Edgar Allan Poe, his short stories. Nice. And they were so, toward the bottom of my list. They were, but they <laughs> but- end up so high up here because... But Evan, I'm impressed. I mean, something written in the 1800s, and you've read it. Excellent. Cask of Amontillado, man. Oh, yeah. You pronounced it correctly. Excellent. I lived in Virginia, where Edgar Allan Poe lived in Richmond. I've been to his house. Oh, wow. So. That's awesome. Nicely done. I approve. All right. We're about to head into deep C.S. Lewis territory. (laughs) Number 11 is That Hideous Strength. And yep. the third book in his uh, sci-fi trilogy, yep. which gets into that Arthurian legend again as well, mm-hmm. uh, but also gets into just, you know, family home life for a newly married couple that works at a college. So. You got it. Number 10, the metaphorical great divorce. I, Very I, good. I, this should be it's, higher up on the list because after I made my list and sorted and everything today... I thought to myself, the great divorce, and I slapped myself in the head. Oh, so man. it should be high. Well, Evan and I both had it on ours, but well, great. It's got an angel and a salamander. And George MacDonald. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in uh Neil Gaiman's uh, Sandman, he brings in G G. K. Chesterton in a similar way that uh-huh. C. S. Lewis brought in George MacDonald. So. Funny. Number nine is Isaac Asimov's Foundation trilogy. Which and I broadened it out classic to classic of yeah. sci-fi. I broadened it out to uh, all the stories that 
resolve and revolve around that Foundation trilogy. He ultimately tied in like 98% of his uh, science fiction writing to uh, to that same mythos. So the Foundation, the Robots series, the uh, um, the uh, um, iRobot, all that stuff now is all part of one huge, huge thing. But yeah, nicely done. Number eight, Screwtape Letters. Ooh. Yes. More, Guys. More C.S. Lewis. Have yep. you heard the radio drama where Andy Serkis plays Screwtape? No. You know what I heard? What? The one where John Cleese, John Cleese. plays Screwtape. Yeah. That's amazing. Now, what, what has he done? I don't know. No, I know, I know the name. I just can't remember. I just don't Monty know what he's Python. Monty Python is the oh. biggest thing, yeah. But he's he's in time nearly headless so. nearly headless Nick in the uh, Harry Potter movies. Oh, but, that's why I don't. But Monty Python, and he he was in Monty Python, and Monty Python, <laughs> and and uh, just lots of comedies and yeah, yeah, Monty Python. If you don't know him, you don't know him. What can we say? Yep, yeah, and Andy Serkis probably did a good job too. He did a great job. <laughs> Number seven, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. There you go. Douglas Adams again with sci-fi humor and philosophy. Number six, The Tripods, The White Mountains, which is the final book in the, or the first book of the trilogy, but the final one on our list. Um, and we will be talking about The Tripods trilogy sometime very soon because this is beloved by both Evan and me. And soon to be beloved by me. We can only hope. We can only hope. Number five, Out of the Silent Planet by C.S. Nice. Lewis. It's his sci-fi response to H.G. Wells, and it's it's a thin little book. It's a nice little read. If you if you like that kind of slow, thoughtful sci-fi, it's about a guy who gets on a spaceship and walks a planet and meets aliens. Yep. Number four is that same guy, Paralandra, <laughs> and the best science fiction version of Paradise Lost ever. Yes. Number three, The Lord of the Rings. All of them? All of them. All of them? Yeah. All six books? All of them. Yep. Okay. I mean, if we're going to call them what they are, I mean, they were intended to be one long story and yeah. broken up into six books that were then broken up into three. <laughs> so. not, like, not like that tripod stuff. Yeah, yeah. Number <laughs> Number two... <laughs> You're going to like this one then, Steve. The the Chronicles of Narnia. There you go. Yeah. They were all over the place. They dominated the list. And so we just put them into one. And all right. This was the top slot. This top slot would not have gone to uh, the Lion, Witch, the Wardrobe. I can't remember what would have been here if we had had them all you know, spread throughout the list like we had them originally. Was it oh. Horse and His Boy? I don't think so. No. Was it Silver Chair? I don't know. It might have been Silver Chair. Chair. But it was based on the scoring, you know, where we placed them all. We had some higher, some lower, but this was the kind of middle one for all of us. But finally, number one, and we'll be doing a two-part Strangers and Aliens episode sometime very soon after episode 200. Hits. Till we have have faces. faces. Hooray! I reread this this summer again in prep for what we're going to do. I'm going to read it one more time. And I have to say, this is my favorite novel of all time. 
It's fantastic. <laughs> after reading it, I, I mean, it's always been up there for me, but after rereading it, oh my goodness, I could not believe this is so good. So good. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. It sucked me in, man. It's amazing. So that's that. And all right, we have another list of 50 to do yet, and that is our comics. And we also have some listeners who have sent in their lists of different things. And so we're going to pop over to that. And yeah, we'll be back as a group in a little bit here, but that's what's happening next. So sit back, relax, and listen to some listener feedback. And so returning to the uh, listener feedback here, um, we do have another note from Dr. or not Dr. Again, Dr. Jace, Professor Allen from Professor Allen. Professor Allen wrote in. Uh, I already mentioned his, his short note. Congratulations on episode 200. Uh, thanks for asking for listener input. Here is mine. And he then gave us his top 10 novels and his top 10 novels are number 10. Is Present Darkness by Frank Peretti. Number nine, Incarnations of Immortality by Pierce Anthony. Number eight, The Sword of Truth by Terry Goodkind. Number seven, Foundation Trilogy by Isaac Asimov. Ooh, wonderful book. Uh, number six, The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. Number five, Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Another wonderful, wonderful book. Uh, number four, Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, which we've already mentioned. Number three, The Pendragon Cycle by Stephen Lawhead. We already mentioned number two, Paralandra by C.S. Lewis, the best Adam and Eve story since the original. Uh, I like that better maybe than my synopsis of uh, sci-fi Paradise Lost. Uh, and then number one, Tess of Der- the uh, Tess of the Tess of the Durbervilles by Thomas Hardy. I reread it or watch an adaptation every six or seven years, and I am moved every time. It is very sad, as all of Hardy's novels are. Not fantasy or sci-fi. I just like plugging this novel whenever I can. And then we also got a note from Adrian Coletti, who writes in and says, Hey guys, my books uh, series are Harry Potter and The Giver. I'm going to talk about The Giver. The main character, Jonas, has the ability to see beyond. It is a power he has kind of magical, but I hope all of you are okay with that. Um, I really love the series, and at the end of the third book, which I just finished, evokes Jesus' ultimate sacrifice. I really love The Giver and the rest. Keep up the good work, Adrian. Now, I will say this here about that. I have not read any of them past the first book. I mean, the first book when it was written, the way I understand it, it was written to just be a book, not a series. I'm curious about the series, but... um, that first book is is a wonderful book. All right, I've got two uh, listener feedback recordings I'm going to play right now, and then we'll come back with our comic book top 50. Hey, guys, this is Peter Franson from ChristianGeekCentral.com and Spirit Blade Productions. Uh, congratulations, guys, on 200 freaking episodes. That's awesome. A couple of my uh, favorite stories. The first one that comes to mind from recent memory would be Brent Weeks' The Night Angel Trilogy. It's a a novel series that's dark, and it's in a depraved, disturbing world where evil is undeniably uh, 
in action and, and, and just destroying lives. And it is a dark read. It is a disturbing read at times. But there is such a bright, shining hope in so many of the characters throughout that story. And although it's published in the mainstream, the author is actually uh, a Christian. And if you are a believer and you read these books, you will just see his faith and his understanding of Scripture uh, being used throughout the writing process. I mean, it's so dense and rich with biblical metaphor throughout all three books. Um, but on top of that, before I even knew he was a believer, I just kind of realized that from reading it and then getting in touch with him later. Uh, it, before even all that, it's just fantastic, character-driven, intense writing. If you like your characters being put through the ringer, then check out Brent Weeks' The Night Angel Trilogy. As far as TV shows go, um, or any other kind of stories go, I, Farscape comes to mind, and specifically the ongoing romance between um, John Crichton and Aaron Soon. Because these are two characters that come from totally different worlds, and are, are they just love each other deeply, but it starts very slowly and develops over time. And this is, it's, it's love in the way that... Uh, that I have experienced love just as being as someone who's been married now for almost 15 years that like, yeah, you can be attracted to somebody, but the more time you spend with them, the more different you realize you are. And the more you realize you have to figure out how this relationship is going to work and how your differences uh, are going to bring you together and, uh, and complement each other rather than drive you apart. Uh, there's, you know, back and forth and there's ups and downs in their relationship and there's freaking laser guns and weird aliens surrounding the entire thing. So how can you not love, uh, John Crichton and Aaron soon, the love story throughout four seasons and a mini series of Farscape. Strangers and Aliens, this is John from the upcoming Christian Taboo Podcast. Uh, we've chatted before a couple times via email and other media, and I just wanted to say congratulations on your upcoming 200th episode. I wanted to submit some of my ideas for the best stories of all times that may not be uh, may not be rep- represented on your guys' uh, list here. Uh, so I've uh, separated it by category, movie, book, and video game, and... Uh, Hopefully I can make a couple recommendations along the way. Uh, first up is the movie category, and my first recommendation is the movie Devil, which is a little-known M. Night Shyamalan movie. Uh, now, some people might have an aversion to this movie because of the title, but ultimately there is a very uh, spiritualized message in it that veers towards Christian themes to the point where I almost expected Kirk Cameron to pop out at some point. I'd highly recommend this movie to anybody. Also in the movie category, uh, the movie The Changeling from the early 80s, I believe 1981. Classic haunted house movie. Now it is rated R, but I fail to see any reason why it's rated R outside the fact that there was not a PG-13 rating at the time. 
Um, very innocuous movie. I recommend it if you're into that sort of thing. In the book category, I want to recommend The Visitation by Frank Peretti. Deals with false messiahs. It is a Christian author. I do recommend it. It is in the small category that could be referred to as Christian horror. Um, so go ahead and give that a look. Also want to recommend House by Frank Peretti and Ted Decker. Also a creepy little number by a duet of two of my favorite Christian authors of all times, um, which requires a lot of introspection and understanding of how learning to forgive can create a better future. Um, and then the video game category, uh, cannot recommend the, new, the video games the, from the Bioshock series any more than anything else. It's a great set of video games that uh, dwells on the concept of what would happen if man completely forsakes all moral codes and chooses to be left to his own devices and what end that may lead to. Um, and then of course the Uncharted series, which is just mind-numbing, popcorn-munching brainlessness, uh, much like setting a Indiana Jones movie to video games. Very good for all you gamers out there. Um, again, this is John. I want to congratulate you guys again for your 200th episode. And here's looking forward to 200 more. comic books here is let's see we've got 50 comic books here and they're not just comic books they're meant to be kind of broken up into like storylines or story arcs but there's a lot on here that are actually like full runs of certain creator groups so well it could count as a whole story which yeah it really could yeah. Especially if they are, you know, bringing to it a single tone or a single narrative or a single um, idea that that lasts over the the time yeah. period. So, Some of it's just that good. Yeah. So, again, this is all done in TGI Friday's math class that we did, yep. <laughs> uh, Master Math, and so no complaining about where things land. They land where they land because they land where we put them. And because they, of math. Yeah, and we put them there, um, honestly, because that's the orders that they were put in in our lists. So I blame math. Yep. Math is the one to blame in this case. So we have 50 comics that we are going to talk about. These are all 50 comics or comic series or graphic novels that we would say, hey, we like it enough. We want to talk about it. Wait, graphic novels? We can do graphic novels? Well, they're on there. There's some. Okay. Okay, I'm going to have to change a couple of mine. Too late. So what? we're going to start with number 50. And number 50, um, you'll never guess who put this on their list, but it's the first Man-Thing series written by <laughs> Steve Gerber. Why am I not surprised? So Was it, was it me? <laughs> you know, I don't remember this being on our list in, uh, in TGI Fridays. You know why? It was the next one that we left off, but on the... Uh, the Excel, well, whatever it is, is in uh, 
Google Drive. The sheets is yeah. what they call it in Google Drive. Uh, you put number one rank and comics. And so oh, the number one uh, slot uh, was taken up by that. And so in TGI Fridays, we only did 49 of each thing. So I had to go uh, back and add that on. Well, that's on me. No, nope. We blame TGI Fridays math on that. <laughs> so math. Yes, so Man-Thing made it by the skin of his swamp-encrusted teeth. And I, I'm very glad that it's there. Uh, Man-Thing is an anthology series, basically, but it's an anthology series that has a recurring cast of characters. And one of those recurring cast of character members is the Man-Thing, Ted Salas, who has... Uh, it was a warped... Um, Version is this of Swamp the, Thing or Man Thing? This is Man Thing from Steve Gerber. So what was? I thought you said Swamp Thing. No, no. Man Thing. Okay. Steve Gerber, his run, and it's it's all stories. Basically, think Twilight Zone, but instead of the host being Rod Serling, it's a swamp monster that comes into the story <laughs> at the end. So that's Man Thing number forty nine. We have wait, Don- wait, wait, what, what? Fun fact, everybody. Okay. Man Thing's actually in the MCU. Yes, yes. Just throwing it in there. Man Thing is in the MCU because of a single line dropped by Maria Hill in an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where she's talking about having to deal with uh, politicians who want to know who or what is a Man Thing. The other fun fact is the, the serum that turned him into Man Thing, they were trying to duplicate the super soldier serum what a shock so that's why everybody gets superpowers in the entire marvel universe well i wouldn't say that <laughs> and this was the first that i know of that okay. was a, along that line so all right number 49 donald duck classics i'm assuming but i may be wrong carl barks carl barks yes. yeah okay yeah. just fantastic um some of the stories are just regular duck stories and stuff and then some of it just goes in in uh, incredible uh different ways and uh, i just remember growing up with uh you know a lot of this stuff in just comic book form and then you know they reproduced it now in, in uh in volumes and it's just fantastic carl barks is definitely a master yeah a master of the comic book form worthy of study and worthy of enjoyment oh yes Number 48, a webcomic called JL8. Oh, number yeah. 47. Go back, number Ben. F- what? What? Benjamin. All right. We're talking about this Evan here. finally gets to talk about this. Yes! It was the last thing of his that made it onto the list. I'm so happy. <laughs> so happy. Yes, it is, it is a webcomic called JL8. It used to be called Little League. We will be doing an episode on it shortly mm-hmm. after the reboot. Um... And it is just fantastic. Um, it's done by a guy named Neil Stewart, and he has taken the Justice League and put them into kindergarten as kindergartners. And it's just them living their little kindergarten lives. Uh, but they're they're Bruce and Diana and Clark, and they all have their superpowers, and they all wear their costumes, and they're eight years old. And it's I one guess of those examples of fan fiction that catches on. And actually gains an audience outside of a what would typically be just the fan fiction circle. Right. But this is something that, that he he managed to really catch on with that. Yeah, because it's fan fiction done the way 
the actual publishers would write these characters and he just nails the characterization there's no shenanigans going on here uh he does manage to shoot i would disagree with that but okay yeah. there's uh, i think there's quite a bit of shenanigans going on there yeah but you know uh, uh we can talk about it on the episode yeah let's do but, the episode but uh yeah it's it's really well done the art is really really good if you'd like to read it you can check it out on uh jl8 on facebook and then he's there's also a page an, a fan of his that he gave permission where he has uh, collected all of his comics and put it into one continuous story. And you can find that, I believe it's at limbero.org, L-I-M-B-E-R-O.org, I think. No, they're, they're, they're not kindergartners, they're eight. Right, right? you're right. Yep, they're like in so, third grade or something. Okay. Yep, but it's great. Uh, all right. Room for an episode there. <laughs> Number 47, Superman, Last Son of Earth. This is an Elseworlds story that I really like. It's by Steve Gerber, and it basically asks the question, what if Clark Kent, the child of Martha and Jonathan Kent, what if Clark Kent was actually sent to Krypton to survive the destruction of Earth? And I love the idea because that twist where you have a human going to Krypton, a human being who you know can't stand up to the gravity and stuff like that. It's really cool. It's a lot of fun. And I like the story. Uh, I loaned it to you, Evan. I don't think you liked it that much. I enjoyed parts of it. The The parts I really enjoyed was with Jorel and Laura because it's basically taking the the characterizations of them from the John Byrne Man of Steel miniseries. And it just fleshes them out a lot more gives the, and explores their personalities. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and the, the other stuff was okay. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Number 46, Earth X. Nice. Marvel's answer to DC's Kingdom Come. What happens at the end of the world? And you get to see all the superheroes old and living in a dystopic, post-apocalyptic future. Anyone want to say anything more about that, Steve? Uh, it's uh, Jim Kruger. Kruger? Kruger, Kruger yeah. Kruger. Uh, just absolutely, positively... Uh, knocking it out of the ballpark um there's some characters that you've never heard of here there's some old favorites there's ones who have the same name as one but it's not the same one i mean it's just over and over um and i since earth x is on the list at this low level i doubt if uh, either of the the sequels are you know, universe x or paradise x um i guess they could be but um uh, they're just it just continues it's like layers upon layers upon layers of this deep uh history of the marvel universe coming to fruition and if you're a, a you know one of those guys who likes the old marvel universe history and the chronology and how things work out and, and all that stuff um you'll like this it's just absolutely fantastic it's uh, jim kruger Again, like I said, just knocking it out of the ballpark. And the Marvel Universe ballpark. Number 45 is Batman Hush. Ooh, Batman Hush. Hush. Have you guys read that? Hush. Oh, oh man. This is one of my all-time favorite Batman story arcs because it's the art's by Jim Lee, so that's just awesome. But it also, it's just a really cool mystery story. And I think it's something like 12, 14 issues or something like that. 
So it's it's a good length, and it manages to just you could pick this up never having read Batman in your life, and it it's like a a who's who of Batman villains and and sidekicks, and it takes you through and like each issue introduces you to a new part of the Batman family and a new part of the Batman Rogues Gallery as it walks you through this really intriguing mystery that goes back to Bruce Wayne's past, even to his childhood. Um, and it's really, really good, really well-written. It's got Would Superman in there. Uh, I don't know. I, I have it in the other room, but I don't have it with me. Um, oh, now I'm going to have to look it up. All right, carry on, guys. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i be back. Right, now we're on our – we haven't even cracked the top ten here. And yeah, we have. Keep, keep we're going. We're taking a long time. So, Sorry. Uh, number 44 <laughs> is Hulk, Heart of the Atom. That's where Hulk gets shrunk down. This is before Micronauts. But he gets shrunk down, goes to this <laughs> tiny, tiny microscopic kingdom, finds love, finds happiness, but of course must leave it behind. And it's one of three. Uh, and the other one is on. I think it's on this list. Maybe we'll we'll, we'll see if it's not. But uh, it's one of three superheroes in a fantasy realm stories that I really, really like. This is one, and the other is uh, Sword of the Atom, which is the Atom who gets stuck at six, six inches, and he has to you know join. Join the battle in this fantasy kingdom, and the other is uh, Iron Man and Doctor Doom in Doom Quest, going back to King Arthur's time. But Hulk, Heart of the Atom, I, I really, really like it. It's, it's big, it's bold, it's muscular, it's barbaric. Love it. Number forty-three, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Jeff Loeb is the writer of Hush. Anyway, okay. <laughs> I was about to say Jeff Loeb was not the writer of Crisis not, on Infinite Earths. No, no. <laughs> I'm surprised this is so low. Well, it's so low because it wasn't very high on your list. It was high on my list. Yeah, it, but here it wasn't on my list. Right, I know. And it wasn't on Evan's list. So I'm, it's, that's why I'm a little surprised. Why? It's well, because it was I like the. It's an the, important moment in history, but it's, it is. But it's not the best. It's not one of my favorites. Yeah, well, I think it's one of the fifty best. So it, it, it just it, it, it's, made it, it, it made it into the fifty. It, it did, did, but I'm, what I'm surprised is that you neither of you thought it was the the top. I, I still haven't read through the thing, and I've tried a couple times. I'm and I'm, I'm working on it, but it's it real, is a little dense. Yeah, it's dense, yeah. and especially it's a, coming from you. You were born post crisis on right, exactly, so. and it, it's a lot of obviously it's a lot of pre crisis right, heroes right. and continuity. So I I'm having a hard time. All right, it. it's it's all an right. important moment in history, but yep. an important moment in history doesn't mean it's the greatest story of all time. I understand. I understand. This is two hundred of the greatest stories. That's what I was looking right for. Number forty-two, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. Oh, so good! It's the first first uh, story arc in the Superman Batman reboot. Uh, it's like a world finest reboot. It's Ed McGuinness does the art. Oh, it's great. And Batman as Flava Flav was. Oh no, wait, that's Public Enemy. I'm sorry, that's a different thing. Fun fact: I got to see some artwork on Superman Batman uh, as it was being done in a hotel room during a convention. Very wow. cool. I got to see it. Yep, that was cool. Uh, number 41, Captain America, the captain story arc that leads into issue number 350, where he gives up his role as Captain America once again and becomes the captain and takes on a black costume. And someone else is given the part of Captain America named John Walker. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a great arc. It's one that maybe in my mind is greater than it actually is because (laughs) it's one that I followed as it happened, buying the comics from the grocery store. See, I was there with you, too. I just, 
liked Steve Rogers so much as Captain America that it for me it was it was sort of I was disenchanted with the Captain, um, even though he was the same guy. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll just have to go back and read it. That's Mark Gruenwald during yeah. his like 250 issue run or something like that. Um, which I mean, you could just put that as as part of you know one of these um, amazingly huge long storylines. But um, but this graphic novel it starts right at the beginning and ends at three fifty, where obviously he puts the costume back on. But the reason behind spoilers. why what what happens with the costume and and this what happens with John Walker, the guy who takes over for him, mm-hmm. and it's just it's there's some brutal stuff in there. There's some poignant stuff in there. It, it's good stuff. Number 40, Buck Rogers comic strip. Nice. The whole thing? Uh, well, <laughs> yes. I mean, the, the iconic parts of it, yes. Because okay. it, it just, it lasted so long. It was so diverse. He was doing so much in so many different things. There's so many, there were so many side characters in this comic strip that sometimes you could go weeks without Buck Rogers even being in it. You know, it, it, his the weight of his character just carried it through. Um, so, yeah, I would have to say, yeah, the whole thing. Okay. Just Number 39, Identity Crisis. Oh, it's so good. Another it's crisis so good. here. Have you guys read this one? Yeah, I don't think it's so good. Oh, Ben. ben. I don't know if I'm seeing it or not. Oh, it's another, it's a great mystery story. It's, it's. Super cool. It's a conspiracy story. There is some magic stuff in there with Zatanna, but it's a very brief part, even though it's kind of a key plot element. But it's it's just really good. There's some like it's one of the ones that made me cry or or almost cry as a comic book. There's only been a couple comic book moments that have done that. Yeah, and this that's one, one did of, not affect me at all. And I don't oh, know if it, I don't know if it's because maybe I've been spoiled when I read it, but uh, could be, could just, be, just didn't hit me. Man, number thirty eight. The Hercules limited series written by Bob Layton. Oh, this is Hercules in space. Yeah. I don't know when this happens as far as in Marvel continuity, uh, but Hercules goes into space because his father is not too happy with him and exiles him away from Earth. Yeah. And this actually spawned then a second limited miniseries. Mm-hmm. It did a three issue stint in Marvel Comics Presents. There was a graphic novel. Uh, and then he did a follow-up just recently, I say recently, like in the last uh, seven, eight years, uh, did a follow-up tying it up and finishing the story. And That's cool. Great stuff. Great, great stuff. Number 37, X-Men, Chris Claremont's run without John Byrne. Mm-hmm. Without John Byrne, we need to specify that because, well, you'll find out in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> this is one yeah. of Steve's, and he's talked about this before, Steve. Lay it on us, buddy. Well, Chris Claremont, I mean, he did about 200 issues of the X-Men. And he had, I mean, in, in the early parts, he's doing this, like, you know, 17-page uh, storylines and making it that, you know, soap opera, but not a soap opera, making you care about these characters. And then in the part that we're not talking about right now, he rips your heart out. Well, we'll get to that. And, it's coming. <laughs> but then after that, you know, after that little part, um, he just goes back and humanizes these characters to a point where, you know, he can strip away Storm's powers, yet she's still a viable part of the team. You know, he takes characters away. He also and he stripped puts, away a lot of her hair. 
Yes, her hair, which was a shame. And he, he, you know, he puts new characters in, and he's he's pulling things from all different areas of the the Marvel universe, and then he just gives back to it, you know. And it's just an amazing thing. I I think by the end, you know, maybe like two twenty issue two twenty or so, I think it really starts to not be as epic and as iconic. But still, if you want to take a hundred issues in a row. And say, wow, you know, this is this is what I grew up on from roughly like you know issue one fifty to to two twenty or something like that, uh, and I have other ones in that stretch. Um, it's just every month, sometimes twice a month. You know, you were just waiting for this to come out, and when it wasn't this, it was uh, the New Mutants, and if it wasn't the New Mutants, it was X Force, and if it wasn't X Force, it was uh, uh, Excalibur, and you know he w- he had his hands in all of this for so long. It just had that Claremont vibe, you know, just bubbling to the surface and all these different things crossing over and the characters blending and, and, and mixing and doing all that stuff. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal run. And miniseries, too. He did miniseries, the Wolverine miniseries, the X-Men and New Mutants things, the annuals. He just did uh, so many things. I mean, I can't even imagine what, 500 maybe altogether. I, I can't even, something like that. In fact, I don't think he did X Factor. Now that I'm thinking no, about he it, <laughs> he didn't do that. Number but still, it, it played into it, and it was yeah. really cool. Number thirty-six, Superman: Death Do Us Part, Critical Condition. Yes, that's uh, the names of the two graphic novels that make up this story arc. Okay, I was going to say um, you can tell by my voice. I I did not put this on my list. So. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's from me. It's from one of my favorite runs of Superman, which was uh, 1999 through the. Our Worlds at War uh, event, and uh, it it's a really cool arc. I'm not going to spoil it for you because there's a there's like a mystery thing going on in there. Mystery? Can you are you getting the theme here? I like mystery ones, yeah, yeah. and uh, it, I'm not going to spoil it. But you can pick them up on Amazon. It does contain probably, if not my favorite, one of my all time favorite Batman Superman crossovers stories, and uh, I yeah. I have to find some time to talk about it because it's really good. Anyway. Number 35, Midnight Nation by J. Michael Straczynski. It's a standalone 12-issue series that features, uh, well, supernatural mystery. Let's put it that way. And I'm not going to say much more about, about, about it. It's something to discover, and I enjoyed it a lot, and I enjoyed it on my recent reread as well. Who uh, uh, publishes up. it? It was published by um, Image. Uh, and it does it have image characters? No, is it part no, of image it's, it's a standalone. It's a standalone, brand new original story written by him, created by him, and yeah. So cool. it's it's good stuff. Number thirty four. We could go on and on and on and on and on and on and on about this, but try not to, Steve. The Lee <laughs> Kirby Fantastic Four, which is one of those epic epic runs yep. by yep. A, a handful of creators that yeah. they, they don't make it into this club the, the just, way they used to. It just introduces everybody. <laughs> I mean, there you go. Just number thirty-three, then Superman, Batman Generations. Woohoo! Ah, nice one. Yeah, this one's by John Byrne. It's uh, when Batman and Superman are introduced in nineteen thirty-nine. Uh, they're thirty, and then it ages them through the decades, like 
it, what if they aged in real time right. instead of staying 30 forever like they have? You know, 1949, and, 1959, yeah, yeah, and it catches up with them and their family, their growing families, and you see Batman's aging, Superman maybe aging a little. It's just a really cool. They weave a, a an alternate story, an alternate history of what could have been. It's really nice. It harkens back to the Silver Age stuff, and actually, it commentates on the evolution of comics as well. Mm-hmm. And I would say, if you want, if you read this and you want more, there is Generations Two, which is okay. Read it only if you absolutely want more. Skip Generations Three. It's it's just not <laughs> worth reading, and, and I'm I'm I say that in all wow. honesty. Just just don't even bother. All by Byrne. Yep, yep. Okay. All by John Byrne. All right, number thirty-two. This one it gets put on so many lists, and some people might say it's overrated, but this is what got me into writing comics, and that is Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Um, um, I found it. I found a graphic novel in the music store at a mall <laughs> in college. Bought it, read it, and got me back into comics, and the rest is history. Uh, 75 issues, plus some one-shots and, and things like that. But basically, it was the ending was the ending that Neil Gaiman wanted to do, and the other stuff was all leading up to that. And he had a lot of creative freedom on it, especially when he was able to pull away from the DC universe and not feel like he had to shoehorn you know, Justice League characters into it. So. <laughs> Number 31, Steve, you get to return to the X-Men with the Claremont slash John Byrne run. Yeah, this is the aforementioned ripping your heart out. Um, And it was unintended because if you follow the whole thing and I I feel bad if if I'm going to ruin this for you. So I, I just won't. But I'll just say there's a character... And like, like if you haven't heard about this story arc, then I don't know why you're not just going back and reading. I don't know. It's 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 one of those iconic things where they take a character, and because of an editorial decision, it wasn't because of the writer or the uh, the, the the two co-plotters, Claremont and Byrne, at this point were co-plotting. Um, they the editor said, no, this character has done something that your story does not address and needs to address. So something drastic happens to this character. And it's been cleared up and, you know, glossed over it and, and the characters come back and et cetera, et cetera, since then. But when it came out, it was like, no, you can't do that. But they did. They had to. And, you know, it follows up and you sort of see why they had to. But at the time... It was just that much of a, a, a smack in the heart. And you were just like, oh, because you didn't think that you'd ever see this character again. And um, today, without saying what it is, you know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. If you're if you're listening right now and following along this comic book conversation yeah. and knowing the things we're talking about, you know what we're talking about. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm the type of person who. I'm the I'm the spoiler. If if it's, something's been out for ten or twenty years, you should have seen it or heard about it or whatever. You probably have, but this is the type of thing that if you haven't, go and get these issues. You can get them. They have a collected, you know, like especially like you know one twenty seven to one thirty seven or something. You know, ten or twelve issues, and you can get these. And it's just you you dig into these characters, you understand them, and even, especially if you get the classic X Men. Uh, ones because what they did is they reprinted them, but they had the s- other stories in the back. So you had you know the actual story that came out in in the late seventies, early eighties, and then you had 
an extra story, like fleshing out another character. And it was yeah, really cool. Sometimes they were cool. Sometimes they were cool. I think most of the time they, they added to it, and especially with the Hellfire Club stuff. So um, I would say if you can do that. But uh, you know, if you can't, if you can just read the 10 or 12 issues up to 137, it just go and do it. If you haven't, go and do it now. Number 30, if you're back now from reading that, Cassandra Kane <laughs> Batgirl. Woohoo! Guess who's All of it. Guessing That's by me. the... I pitched. Woohoo. We know who put that on their list. It was me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm talking about all of it. Every every comic she's ever in. Wow. <laughs> she, she's she's my favorite uh member of the Batman family. I just I think I've talked about this before on a different episode. She's just so cool. And I love she's just a really really cool character and I love her um her story arc. Uh and just the the character development they do with her uh, up until they messed it up, but then they fixed it. <laughs> but at least they fixed it because they did. They messed it up, and every all the fan community knew it, and there was a bunch of backlash, and they fixed it, and I think they did it well. It, anyway, uh, she had her whole. She starts out in No Man's Land. She has a series all her own. It's called Batgirl. It goes like eighty issues, and then uh, she appears in other comics, and then she has a follow up series where they fix everything. So I really like her. All right, good. Number 29, Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller. And this is one that, again, I this is one I picked up because I was getting back into comics in college and, and wanting to write comics. And uh, this is from 1986, so it's, it's an older one. But it changed, it changed everything after that. I mean, this and Watchmen really, for good or for ill, changed just the direction that, that a lot of comic books were taking. And so I don't like it. You don't yeah, have I would to. say I would say it changes. I like it enough me. to put it on my list. So, <laughs> number twenty-eight. I can, I can understand it being. I can understand it being on lists, but I I wouldn't put it on mine. Well, this is what you did put on yours, and it's also yep. Batman. It's number twenty-eight, Batman's first decade. Yes, when it's just it's Batman. It introduces Robin. It's through the War Years. It's uh, in introducing all those characters in their primary form and their initial uh way that they're you know the joker the first time you ever see him and reading those gives you a deeper understanding of what you're seeing nowadays with killing joke or with um you know anything else that's coming out it's the basis that they're coming off of and you know he uses a gun you know sometimes he has to kill someone but it's before that whole thing got into his mythos that he doesn't use guns or kill people, you know. But then now he does use a gun. But everyone's like, well, wait a minute, why is he using a gun? Well, you know, it, it, there's a precedent for that. And this sort of just sets the precedent. It redefines things, you know, over the course of that decade. And uh, just is, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal bunch of, bunch of issues with here's, Batman here's, and Detective. Here's another fun fact. The first Batman story had Commissioner Gordon in it. Mm-hmm. Did it? Yes. Huh. Yes. He goes back that far. Wow, that's awesome. So. Uh, number 27, Superman, Up, Up, and Away. Yes, this is when, right after Infinite Crisis, not to be confused with Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, they or skipped Final ahead. Crisis, or yeah, how yeah. many other crises. Yeah. Well, anyway, they skipped ahead a year. And Superman doesn't have his powers, and this story is about how he gets his powers back after that. And it's just, 
I think it's just fun. I really like the art. Um, it's it's a lot of him and Lois street level stuff. Uh, him being a reporter. Um, some fun cameos from different villain or heroes, and then finally, uh, he's come, he's back as Superman and going up against Lex Luthor. It's great. Number twenty six, Creature Tech by Doug Tenniple. This is the book that introduced me to Doug Tenniple, and it's a sci-fi romp with lots of weird art, weird <laughs> aliens, potty humor, and a really poignant, I think, uh, image of of alien Christ. I guess. Oh, yeah, an interesting interesting take on it. So, I mean, it's basically Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe through the lens of an alien inven- invasion. <laughs> um, so, number 25 from 1986, Secret Wars. Yeah. Not Secret Wars 2. Nope. Secret Wars. Nah. Not Secret Wars 3. Not the new Secret Wars. Not Secret War. Not, not any Secret other Warriors. stuff. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. But Secret, Secret Wars. Wars. Hey, Steve. <clears throat> hey, what? In our episode where we did the 1986 in comics thing, yeah, that was a really good episode. I was listening to that again. It was. That's such a good episode. We talked yeah. about this in there, but I was just One of my this favorites. made me think of that. So yeah, Secret Wars. It, and it was just because it was all the character, well, almost all of them. You know, no Alpha Flight, but you know, no skin off anyone's teeth. Um, but it was just like, you know, all these characters all coming together and fighting all the bad guys. And then there's Galactus, and you're like, wait a minute, who could pull all these things together? And then all of a sudden there's something else, and there's another layer. And it's like really well done, extremely well done. Jim Shooter was the writer. Uh, I think Mike Zeck did most of the art. I th- he may have done all of it. Um, uh, so it's it's not like it's phenomenal, but it does it, – it, it just has all of them together. And like for the first time, all of them. And it, too, changed the comic book industry forever. Yes, for good or ill. Yeah, yeah. In this case, not so much for tone, but for how can we create events that are going to make big money? Right. (laughs) Every year. Every summer. Every year. Crossovers, crossovers, crossovers. This one, though, they did it well and they did it right, I feel like. They just did it on its own, but the ramifications of it and there's some big changes for characters that happen venom it's it's a big deal but you don't have to buy 60 issues to get the whole story this is just 12 issues month after month and if you're following the characters in their own books you'll want to read it but you don't have to follow the characters in their own books you can read it on its own for its own merits but that's why it was so good well one of the reasons was because if you're reading it in the actual year that it was put out, the X-Men disappear and then the next issue they come back, but there's some changes and it doesn't tell you because secret wars one only came out. You don't have secret wars two through 12 yet. So they can't tell you all the different secrets. And it's like, well, how come Colossus is breaking up with Kitty? And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What just happened? So then why is Spider-Man wearing a black yeah. Outfit, yeah. And yeah, why exactly. is the thing not in Fantastic Four? Exactly. And all these things are happening in real time. So you want to pick up like all of them because what else is going to happen? You know, so you wanted to get all of them. Nowadays, you know, you can read it and it's a nice little story. I give it to my kids and they say, oh, it was really cool. All the big guys fighting the other guys. 
But when you're going through it and you're getting all the other issues as well and you're in the moment, it was it was it was awesome. Sort of like how the Watchmen was, because if you were well, there, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. Number twenty four, Nightwing, year one. Ooh, that's a good one. That's another Evan. It is because it's... you can see the pattern. Steve, <laughs> Evan, Ben. Steve, Evan, Ben. Because so. we didn't line up on like any of these. None of these but... got double votes. <laughs> these are all just from our own list, which kind of makes it an interesting uh, dichotomy. So yeah, or trichotomy, I guess. There's three of us. Trichotomy. Anyway. Trichotomy. But anyway, uh, not, Nightwing, you're one. Not, yeah, Nightwing. If you if you enjoy the character of Nightwing or Dick Grayson, this it, you, this is a must read. Um, it's it tells his origin story of Nightwing, how he quit, or I guess retells it. He how he originally quit as Robin, where he got the idea to become Nightwing in the first place, um, and kind of his relationship with Batman and all that, his relationship with Barbara Gordon, um, and it's just it's fun. The art is awesome. It's by Scott McDaniel, and his art, if you don't know, is just super fun. Like sometimes, uh, my my favorite stuff of his is he draws the whole like full page spread like it's shot from a fisheye lens, sitting on the cement, and Nightwing's like jumping over it, and he does that all the time. He did a bunch of Batman stuff too, and uh, it's written by Chuck Dixon and uh, Scott Beatty, and it's just it's just good stuff. Very good. Now, number 23 is Watchmen. Hey, you know what? I have gotten to the point where I can't read the story anymore. Um, (laughs) I used to read it semi-annually, but now I'm just, I can't anymore. I've actually purchased a book for seven bucks, hardcover. It's, uh, what's it called? I can't see it from here, but it's like watching the Watchmen or or something like that. But it's uh, just the art and it's like the, you can see the progressive art of the page from pencil to ink to even like there's even commentary from the colorist and everything like that. Wow. And I'm loving that so much because I don't have to read the story and get the philosophy, the nihilism. But, yeah. um, but I also say that that inspired me as I was writing one of my stories for Kingstone. Um, I won't say which one, but it, the looking at that artwork and just the style and the formatting and everything, um, the artist did not, depict it the way I pictured it in my head but I scripted it with that idea in my head but then I did not make it you know into the format but the the way Watchmen works is it's a nine panel grid on every page and it uses you know maybe it's two panels of that nine panel grid but it's always going to have that grid as so you have two panels and a third at the top and then three panels you know in the middle and then a one long panel at the bottom but always 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 following those guidelines for that grid yeah and it and doesn't get old either it does not Dave Gibbons knew what he was doing and i think you know alan moore knew how he wanted it to look i think so. that 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 honestly came from alan moore that grid yeah and and so the way the, the grid get, gets used and where the page turn happens and all that kind of stuff that's alan oh, yeah. moore but then dave gibbons just takes it makes it work yeah. and it's just it's just uh, a work of art. Just be careful of the philosophy behind it. It is yeah. it is a nihilistic, dark philosophy, but it's one that needs to be confronted. And I would say, you know, to a mature believer, go for it. Read this and confront it within. It's just yeah. I got tired of confronting it. <laughs> like also, tons I mean, of nudity and graphic violence. I wouldn't say tons of nudity, but there is um, for a comic book for. 
It's or comic compared book of the time to, yeah. compared to all of, the other comic books on our list. Yeah, yeah. But nowadays, you can find much worse on the cover of some of these comic books. So. I don't think so. Well, I've seen some bad stuff, but yeah, I, I would I would say just be careful. It's you know, it's it's one of those content things. warning, definitely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So. And just like uh, Secret Wars, when you were going through it, you know, picking it up issue by issue, you know, month after month, sometimes it was delayed a month or something like that, and you were just like getting these little pieces of the story, and it's these characters you don't know, but very humanizing it humanizes these characters shows you all their flaws and you know gets you to the point of you know what are you going to believe what's going to happen what happens next you know and even the way that it ends ends on a a, you know on one of those those cliffhanger i guess a double cliffhanger if you will talk about that if we ever do a a uh, watchman episode but um yeah, just one of those things. Just be careful. I didn't put it on my list, even though it was very influential to me early on in my in my you know after '86. Um, I was always looking out for more Alan Moore stuff and more uh, stuff like this. But then when I understood where Alan Moore was writing from, um, it uh, it just sort of I started to understand the darkness that was uh, that was over his uh, his writing in general. So I, I sort of stayed away from it after that. And I used actually used to be a big fan of Watchmen, uh, and I became a big fan of it during a troubled time in my life, so that might have something to do with that. Uh, I went and saw the movie in theaters and everything. And, yeah. yeah, that was disturbing. Not, not a fan anymore. I've since uh, matured in my walk with Christ and reevaluated all those decisions from that time in my life, and pretty much all the decisions I made in that time in my life were... We're not very good. (laughs) But since then, I'll go. Number 22, Superman's first decade. Another one of mine. Um, It's just phenomenal how much stuff came out with Superman in the first decade of his thing. Um, You have the radio show. You have the... Uh, the comic strip, you have comic books, you have just everything Superman in this first decade. And was the TV show in the first decade? Uh, no, um, that came out in the I think the fifty or fifty one, which would be just past it. Right. So you have the, the Fleischer first, cartoons. Uh, the Fleischer cartoons, yep. Yeah. Um, and the way that Superman uh, for for DC or whatever they were back then, I forget National Publications, I think. Um, played as much uh, a role in the war effort as Captain America did for uh, for Timely or whatever it was back then, um, and it was you know Captain America or Superman fighting the Germans or you know over in, in Germany you know socking Hitler in the jaw for for Captain America or something like that, and he was iconic because he could do that because it was one of those things where you could give a GI one of these comic books and it might give him just a little bit of a lift, just a little bit more hope and say, okay, yes. All right, let's, let's go. Like we can do this because we're doing it for the right reason. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's one of the reasons I like, I like Superman in that decade so much just because of what he meant to America at the time. All right, number 21, Marvels, which is another twist on the old superhero. Uh, good one. It's Very great. Good. It's um, 
a photorealistic art by Alex Ross, uh, told from the ground level from an average guy, the history yeah. of the Marvel Universe. Very good. Number 20, Superman, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow? Another Alan Moore, I believe. I think so. Um, and wrapping up basically all of the Golden Age and Silver Age Superman stuff. Yeah, that was a fun So one. that they could turn around and reboot after you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was earlier in our list. Number 19, Fantastic Four by John Byrne. Mm-hmm. I've read one issue of run. The entire run. He just knew how to take the Fantastic Four and make them adventurers again. And they, he, they were still a, a superhero team. They still did superhero stuff. There was still all that stuff, Doctor Doom and all that stuff. But they were adventurers. You know, they went into the, these tiny little places or, you know, space or whatever. You know, saved Galactus's life and things like that. They were adventurers again. So I wonder what's different about when it was written then and now. Like, it, it worked then. But I don't know if it would work now because they're—I mean—they're having a hard time just finding the tone for Fantastic Four. I know. I think that if they went back to looking at them as adventurers, inventors, things like that, maybe they need to do what they're doing with Silver Surfer with them. I don't know what well, that they, is. Uh, I think they're—they're they're going very Doctor Who with. Uh, okay. well, I, they, I don't. They, they kind they of did. The, the, the setup right now is that they're out there exploring the multiverse. And they're just doing it off screen because they are not a part of the Marvel Universe right now. So. Wow. Yeah, number 18 is Superman Red Sun and other Elseworlds where you take the concept the best. and turn it on its head. In this yep. case, what's the head that they turned it on? Superman, instead of landing in Kansas, he lands in Siberia during the Cold War and is raised as a loyal Russian. It's really good, surprisingly. Yeah, I know that it sounds kind of weird, but it's... It's one of the best. He teams up with Colossus. And... Oh, no, wait, that's a different thing. Number 17 <laughs> is Bone, another one of those single creator kind of things where he had a singular vision, and he could do it because he just went ahead and did it and, and had a beginning, <laughs> middle, and end. And it's I, the way I explain it is Mickey Mouse in <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Maybe Pogo. <laughs> well, you know, the the easier the easier sell is you know it's it's Mickey Mouse, but he's in the middle of Lord of the Rings. Right. So. Yeah. I think it dragged. I think it dragged on a little bit for me to have put it on my list, but it's people still love it. So oh, I I binge read it in one volume, not in one <laughs> sitting, but in one volume, and yeah. I love that volume of mine. All right, number sixteen is Thor by Walt Simonson. Yes. Another oh. one of those seminal runs by a creator. Yeah, if you'd like is... to hear an in-depth thing on this, you can check out our previous episode, uh, Iteration Irritation. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just this is just Thor as, you know, and Walt Simonson taking it to the level of Ragnarok is coming. Ragnarok is here. What do we do after Ragnarok? And just <laughs> fantastic. I mean, his last issue is Thor fighting the Jormungandr, uh, the Midgard Serpent, and every single page is a splash page. Every single one. It's one panel, every single, because it's that big. And it's just amazing. Um, just an, an incredible run. And uh, uh, About two-thirds of the way through, uh, John Buscema uh, picks up the artwork, mimicking, sort of, uh, Simonson's artwork. Um, not as good. The story level isn't the same quality, but 
uh, all the way through the assignments and artwork. Uh, it's just absolutely positively amazing. Number 15 is Superman's Secret Identity. Oh, this is a good graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's not set in the DC universe. It's a kid. like He's kind of like in our world. And he's he's been reading Superman all his life, and his, his parents named him Clark Kent because their last name was Kent, and he kind of doesn't like Superman because of that because every birthday he gets Superman stuff, and he's like, okay, this is getting old. <laughs> and then one day he just wakes up and for no reason has Superman's powers. Yeah. And what would you do as a 15-year-old kid in our world if you woke up with that? And it's just – it's good. It's good storytelling. This is when they were doing – there's a handful of graphic novels like this where it's kind of about Superman more than it is a story mm-hmm. with Superman. Another one is um, – I think it's uh, it's a bird, which is about a guy who is given the, the chance to write Superman for DC Comics. <laughs> and it's all about him trying to figure out how the heck am I going to do this. <laughs> and I, it's been a while since I've read it. I don't remember a lot of the details. I just remember as a writer reading it and being like, oh, this is, this is kind of fun. So. Yeah. Uh, number 14 is John Carter, the first storyline from Marvel Comics. And I say the first storyline because I haven't read uh, too far in there, but I'm doing this for Comic Book Time Machine yeah. where I'm reading the John Carter stuff and Star Wars and that kind of thing from Marvel. And that first storyline, it's it's great. It's, it's John Carter, Warlord of Mars. It's him. There's lots of just barbaric action and everything uh, and you know here's the thing you say you're talking about Watchmen uh, as far as content and, and, and nudity and that kind of thing um, Evan this was comic approved but it's far more you know the, the titillation thing mm-hmm. with, with uh, the, the way women and men are drawn they, they wear yeah. very little clothing and it's you know the perfect human specimens um, and that's so that's the one kind of content advisory I put in there. It's it's a Conan type type of adventure, um, as far as you know, lots of fighting and swords and stuff like that. But if you're into that big pulpy kind of thing, there's there's some good stuff here. A lot of fun, Roy Thomas. So, uh, number thirteen is Astro City. I'm assuming just all of it. <laughs> it's it just keeps staying awesome. You know, <laughs> it is. It's uh, it's Kurt Busiek. Yeah, and uh, who's the artist who's doing the most work with that? Uh, I think it is Grant Anderson. Maybe. Not Grant Anderson, but I think Anderson is the last name. Anderson. Anyway, but, yeah, it's just reinventing and, and just using tropes and honoring uh, DC characters, Marvel characters. Sometimes you can see through them a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Samaritan is Superman, stuff like that. But you know what they are, and it makes it a little bit better. Yeah. And sometimes trying to figure it out is fun, too. But it's just, you know, the stories are cool. The way that he uses those tropes and memes and, and you know, different characters and stuff. The history uh, of that world follows the history of comics in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. As far as, like, what the tone of comics were in that decade. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the people who were cropping up in that decade. Yeah. And, now, is is this one that has a definitive ending? No. No, he, not yet. He oh, still going. He, Oh, really? He keeps writing, writing series, and sometimes the series will be set in the '60s, and sometimes it'll be set in the '80s. Sometimes okay. it's set now. Sometimes it's set in the '40s. You know. But the graphic so, novels collections, anyway, do have that definitive ending. There is here's the story of this guy right. doing this thing. Yeah. Beginning, middle, end. Yeah. Each story has its own beginning, middle, and end. Okay. And it fits into this larger story that you could really get into if you wanted to. But some cool. of the stories themselves are just phenomenal as well. 
I've read one issue and it, I enjoyed it. Good. Uh, number Good. twelve is Our Worlds at War. Something I can oh. touch with my finger right here. Yeah. How close it is to me. I've only read the first volume of two. But. It's it's one of my all time favorites. One of my all time. It's possibly my favorite Superman story arc, and it uh, it's just a DC comic spanning event. It's it's very little known, I feel like, but uh, basically, it's DC's version of Galactus is coming to destroy not the world but the galaxy, and times are so desperate that Earth must team up with Apocalypse. And Superman with Darkseid in order to defeat the coming onslaught. Dun, people are people, people be dying and sacrificing themselves, and it's crazy, and they're doing the biggest things that they've ever done with their superpowers. It's just epic, epic, epic. Super cool. <laughs> Number 11 Howard the Duck. <laughs> oh, Steve Gerber's why? run. It's satire. It's satire of comics. It's satire of 70s politics. It's definitely of the time, the 70s. And, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. I had it on my list and had it up there pretty high because it made it here to number 11. Number 10 is Ultimate Spider-Man. The whole thing. Now, I know Superman's my favorite superhero, but Ultimate Spider-Man by Brian Michael Bendis is my favorite comic book series of all time bar none and it is number one on my list just go pay 10 bucks get marvel unlimited you can read the whole run the whole thing and it is just it will not let you down i i like it so much more than mainstream 616 peter parker spider-man he's a lot less whiny than 616 (laughs) spider-man he really is well anybody really is yeah yeah (laughs) my five-year-old is a lot less whiny than yeah Uh, but he's, he's yeah. Anyway. These top nine now are we doubled up on some of these. We actually had votes where I put it on my list and Steve put it on his list. And maybe if Evan, maybe. Yeah, I had some there, on here. There's one or two up here now, but this is where it gets more doubled up. So we have number nine, New Frontier, which is uh, Darwin, Darwin Cook, Cook. and <laughs> it's it's his take on uh, that classic Cold War. Superheroing, yeah, it's good stuff there. Um, yeah. I didn't really like how it just sort of played out in sort of a postmodernism type of a feel to it, but yeah, it was really cool because you saw what was going on in those you know the the DC's dead years between the war and the nineteen you know late uh, what mid fifties, um, and how he reinvents these characters almost, um, but sort of honors that whole bridge going from uh you know all those uh, and everything i mean the the challenge of the challenges of the unknown are in there and you know all the ones that you know how the justice league forms and everything uh number eight planet hulk oh so good so good yeah but you know another one of those uh crossover kind of events but this was good because it was just all by itself you know and so there's extra things happening in there but then after Planet Hulk, I thought there was going to be like these three follow-up series that were going to be like huge series like that. And they said they're going to be standalone, but nope. They turned around and said, no, it's going to be a company-wide crossover. And I, Which is I, also good. I followed it. I followed that first one, uh, World War Hulk. Yeah, that was cool. it burned me 
out uh. on on mainstream comics for the longest uh. longest time. It's just I I was with them because they promised me something. You're gonna be fo- you follow Hulk through Planet Hulk, and then he'll you know there's these other stories planned, but it's just gonna be self-contained. Nope, it was oh. not. They lied to me. But Planet Hulk by itself, very very good, is really good, and, it, and that could fit in with the same category with Sword of the Atom. It could. I I feel like it could. It, it really could. I mean, it's it's whole this. He falls on a planet where it's all gladiators and. Uh, but it's a it's a alien world with alien cultures and it's it's well developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the cultures and world itself are well developed. It's it's pretty good. And they right. made a I'm sorry I was gonna say they made they made an animated yeah film. It, it it was one of the good Marvel ones. I thought I thought it was that's, it was pretty decent. That's like saying that. Um, well, I'm not even gonna go there. That's kind of gross. But <laughs> that's like saying something gross is the best of the things that are gross. So okay. All right. Number seven is Kingdom Come. Another, let's, we uh, had Earth yeah. X, but this is the one that inspired Marvel to do Earth X. In yeah. fact, mm-hmm. Wizard Magazine had Alex Ross draw Marvel characters to mimic this Kingdom Come idea, and <laughs> through that is where Earth X came from. Nice. So, anyway, Kingdom Come history has been the past, and now we're in the future, and Superman and all the other characters are. You know, growing old and aging, and uh, what are they going to do when it's, when the new guys come to town? Yeah, it was, it was really an indictment on you know the image, image. Yep. and yep. those yep. Uh, companies cropping up. So it was really interesting to see that take on it as well. And it has some some strong biblical imagery in there. Uh, Alex Ross's dad is a is a pastor, and the the main character of the series is based like directly on him. So yeah. Kind of cool. You can get an action figure of that guy. I have it. <laughs> I have that action figure. It's awesome. Number six is Justice. And we're keeping, I guess, with the Alex Ross thing right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Justice is fun. Yeah. yeah. If, you just... enjoy, if you enjoy Go Kingdom ahead. Come, but you want a more mainstream uh, story, and I guess not mainstream, but more classic story, this is like, what if the, just, the Super Friends were real and they were real people? And what would if we stepped into their world? What would it look like? And this is it. This is it. And it's the Justice League versus the uh, uh, what the League of Evil or whatever. Legion of called. Doom. Legion of Doom. And plus, you know, you get the Metal Men in there, and plus you get uh, the Doom Patrol in there. Yeah. And it's just it's, it's just, fun. Yeah, characters upon characters, all done so well. Twists and turns, and just fun stuff. Uh, what they did with Aquaman, I thought was really cool, um, but just you know, really I have cool that stuff. Figure. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, along with that, it didn't get it on the list because it was too low on my list. But the Paul Dini, uh, Superman, Peace on Earth, Batman, War on Crime, oh, yeah. um, Wonder Woman, uh, I think it's Spirit of Truth or something like that, Shazam, Power of Hope, and then they have a Justice League one as well, and they're all oversized. They're all painted by Alex Ross. Yeah, gorgeous, 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 amazing stories that just celebrate what I love about those characters, and it just yeah. hits the nail on the head with those. Yeah. So, I'm, Evan, if you have not read them, you need to borrow them from me. I, I've got his big oversized book about that has all the Justice League's origin stories. Secret Origins one? Yep. Yeah, yep. that one's very well, good. Well, like yeah, you need to read these. They are I've, really, I've read really good. Peace on Earth. Uh, I haven't read the other ones. Yeah. They would have been on the list if I had had them higher, but they weren't. So, oh, well. Speaking of Superman, though, number five, Superman by John Byrne. Woohoo! There we go, yeah. 
the, now, are we talking the whole series or just his Man of Steel? Well, miniseries? when I put it on my list, it was his Man of Steel miniseries. Yeah, that's I what know. I thought too. Man of Steel. Uh, so it, the first couple of issues, you know, five, six, seven, maybe, um, were good, and it was you know giving us these these characters again, and his stuff with action comics, I think, was actually a little bit better um, than the actual Superman series. Um, but yeah, Man of Steel, just reinventing. Yeah. You know, because reintroducing, he has, yeah. yeah, what a fun thing to be able to do to be the guy who gets to go back, retell the story for the first time. Yeah, yep. again, Fa- favorite iteration of <laughs> Superman, favorite iteration of uh, Lex Luthor, favorite iteration of Krypton. Yes, Krypton is just fantastically yeah. illustrated. In, mm-hmm. Oh, the world of Krypton Teaching. miniseries that's so good, yeah. and that's by him too, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, nice. Mike Mignola, I think, did the artwork of that, but though. Byrne did the writing. Yes. Cool. All right. Calvin and Hobbes is number four. Nicely done. Spaceman yeah. Spiff. It's imagination. It's Tracer Bullet. It's beautiful. It's Transmogrifier. <laughs> All of that stuff is just yeah. fantastic. Number three. And we kind of cheated on this one a little bit, Steve. But okay. I put the Star Wars uh, adaptation of the okay. Star Wars movie. Right. And you had. Um, I don't know how you put it on here, but it's one like through the, twenty. Okay, the first, yeah, okay. So we just yeah. put here Star Wars first arc. Yeah. So that's fine. And it's good stuff. Uh, the movie adaptation is solid mostly, and then after that, they go into some crazy places that Star Wars would have never gone into after 1992. Mm-hmm. But you know what? This was it for us. How did we get more Star Wars comics? There you go. That's what that was it. I I love. I, I actually put the. Um, uh, the Russ Manning uh, comic strip a little bit lower on my list than the, than this, but that was something where every single day you got like a, another three panels of of Star Wars, and it was just like I would collect them, in, you know, put them in, paste them in a book so I could like reread them and everything. And it wasn't exactly you know your the Star Wars that you saw in the theaters, but it was like real close. <laughs> you know what I did that with Steve? What's that? Alley oop. Alley-oop. I did. Nice. When I realized it wasn't a humor strip, like, whoa, <laughs> I got to follow this. <laughs> yeah. All right. Number two. Number two. Mouse by Art Mouse. Spiegelman. Did I have that in my list? Uh, you must that. have because it got up pretty high here. So oh. and I'm pretty sure uh, Evan hasn't read that. Am I correct? I have not. I've yeah. seen it, though. Yeah. You must have um, had it real high then, because I had it at 41. I had it at, like, number two or number one. Wow. I think it was number one for you. Yeah. This is a great graphic novel. Phenomenal. And it's, it's using the format to tell a story that you couldn't tell in any other way. And it's an intensely personal story. It's Art Spiegelman basically telling the story of how he tried to connect with his dad by finding out his dad's story of how he survived the Holocaust. Yes. And it's not flattering for Spiegelman. It makes him out as, you know, a, a, a regular person who's not yep. going to try and sugarcoat his own part in the, the problems that they have in that relationship. But at yep. the same time, he's trying, you know, and but then it's also this whole the Holocaust stuff that's going on with his his father. And I can't remember if it's his mother or if it's um, the woman his father was married to before. I think it's his mother, though. Well, and it's it's really, really good. I cannot recommend it enough content warning it's about the holocaust yeah um, and there's some there's, other little things here and there but just you know 
if if you're if, if it's content that you're you're worried about, then don't read it. But it's a Pulitzer Prize winning graphic novel. You know, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't get much more highly rated than the, you know the Pulitzer Prize. So now number one on our list, and it's number one because of math. Um, yep, <laughs> is JLA Avengers the crossover? Yes. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I'll let you guys take this. I've read Positively. it. It's okay. No, it was no, more it's, than okay. It, it's great, Ben. It yeah, was yeah, it was so good that it's now it, it was it was it was like an Elseworlds story, but now it's actually part of the canon. It is or, canon. Yeah, or, or it was in that in that era. They they made it canon because it was so well done, so well put together. Everything you want in a crossover is in there. Yeah. And it's basically, uh, you know, the Marvel Universe falls in love with the DC Universe. <laughs> and every single Avenger, every single Justice League member, uh, and just, it just, the story is so dense, so multi-layered, so cool, because you get to see these characters that you never really even saw before. You know, in the end, you get uh, Superman with Captain America's shield and Thor's hammer. And, That's right. you know, it's just like, what you know <laughs> all this <laughs> it's stuff awesome and uh just fantastic absolutely and, and and you get to see your favorite characters from both universes interact personally and mm-hmm. and talk with each other and have conversations that they otherwise would never have and it's not yeah. fan fiction it's yeah. it's real yeah so it's just it's a fun 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 comic and yeah. it feels really classic because it's done by perez yeah. um george perez per- who did per- the per- crisis yeah. on the infinite earths yeah. And so it just feels real classic comics. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. <laughs> ben, you just are down on crossovers. I you know can this. be. I can be. But then again, other times I'm not. It just... Yeah. Yeah. It has, I guess maybe some of it's the reasoning behind crossovers. Some of it... Because it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it can be. Sometimes it can. All right. Well, uh, that's a downer of a last note. So you guys say something oh more, something, something else good about about this thing, something else good about it. Come on, go uh, go pick it up, go read it. You you ended your goodness by picking on me about it. So Kurt Busiak, who also did Astro City, did this. So it can't be bad. That's right, because Astro City is fan fiction. Oh, oh, I'm not going to go there. Wait a minute. That's what makes it good. <laughs> so. All right, that's the end of our list here, and I think at the end of our lists, and I'm sure we're going to have some listener feedback, and then we're going to close this shop up. So uh, let's move on. So we just have two more listener feedbacks here, one uh, finishing up, rounding off Professor Allen's three lists of 10 and then one from a podcaster that I hope to someday do something with someday, maybe. And that's Mark Adams. Uh, so first professor Allen's uh, list of his top 10 favorite comic book series. And his number 10 is the dark Knight returns. His number nine is Batman tales of the demon. Number eight is 100 bullets by Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Riso. Uh, number seven is Watchmen. Number six, why the last man by Brian K. Vaughn. Number five, John Sable, Freelance, one through six, which is the origin. Number four, Doom Quest, which is Iron Man 149 and 150 and 249 and 250. And I did say 
I think I mentioned this, that there is a graphic novel um, follow-up to this as well uh, called Legacy, I think. But uh, it's, uh, he, his, his phrase that he puts on this one is, Doom and Iron Man face off in Camelot. Enough said. And if that's not enough for you, then I don't know what, what to do for you. Uh, number three, Kingdom Come. Number two, Identity Crisis. Emotional and heartbreaking. And number one, Doom 2099, the best character ever. And so I should add to this that, yes, uh, Professor Allen is a hopeless, a hopeless romantic when it comes to uh, Dr. Doom and Dr. Doom's doings. So that said, let's uh, turn things over to Mark Adams. Hi, strangers and aliens. It's Mark Adams here from Mark's Mess Podcast, just with my three top stories just uh, to give you for this. First of all, there's Day of the Triffids, the 1951 John Wyndham uh, novel about, well, zombie plants, my type of zombie story. Second is the Excalibur comic, specifically the second run of Alan Davis from number 42 to 50. He was given the task of tying up the loose ends that Chris Claremont had started off with. And he did a fantastic job, so much so that when I was collecting this at the time, every issue I got out, I had to go back into my pile of Excalibur comics and find out, oh, where was that bit? And it's a story that I do keep going back to time and time again. And my number one choice is the epic space opera Babylon 5. Back when it first came out, we didn't have science fiction on television every night of the week. In fact, sometimes there were whole seasons with no science fiction at all. So Babylon 5 was a welcome addition to that. But also, it wasn't just your Star Trek. It wasn't just a one-and-done story. There was an epic storyline. Not just over a couple of episodes, but over five seasons. I know it fell down a wee bit near the end, but that's more to do with JMS being told that he didn't get his five than he did get his five seasons. But boy, the epicness of the storyline. But really, that brought me into more classic science fiction of... Uh, daring to go into hard science fiction of the Asimovs and uh, the like of that. So Babylon 5, that would be my number one choice. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to listening to this episode for to hear what other people say are great storylines so I can delve into them as well. Cheerio. There it is. <laughs> Whoa. 200 Jeez. stories. <laughs> plus, plus a couple dozen, dozen but from, from listeners and podcasters. But yeah, man. That was a long. That was a long. Is this one episode? Yeah. <laughs> Peek behind the curtain. I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> but when you listen to this, you'll know. So, yeah, so uh, you may have heard my voice stop us and yeah, but there's some good, I'm not going to get into that. We, we, when we assemble this, we'll figure it out. But for now, we've done 200 stories. We made it. Episode 200 is in the books and it's done. And man, so next episode, uh, are we rebooting with with episode zero? I think 
I, I think that's the plan. That the, the thing that you would do? We're all going to come back with new costumes that have a bunch of random lines on them all over the place. I think that yeah. we're all going to be younger. Yeah, it's with X's on them. We, we yeah. come back and we'll all be younger, uh, rebooted uh, into younger, less powerful versions of ourselves. All the yellow <laughs> will be taken out of our costumes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I won't no have underwear on the outside anymore. No more spandex. Probably be good. <laughs> That'll be good for me anyway. And my backstory has changed, so I'm no longer married. Wow. Oh, no. Whoa, whoa ladies. What about your kids? I haven't met my wife yet. Oh, wow. I'm like, that's how far back they're taking that story. Well, Does she, she doesn't know? know because she hasn't met me yet either. Wow. So I think they're keeping parts of my continuity for some reason that don't make any sense, but I think I'm going to still have my wife and kid. I They might be different ethnicities, though. They're changing my name. <laughs> That's all they're doing. That's all they're doing with me. So you know, next, next episode, Strangers and Aliens with Ben and Evan and, and Hank. Lemuel Higby. And they're changing your gender as well. Uh, I don't think so. Delilah. I'm just too manly. <laughs> all right. So. This is episode 200, though. We are done. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being a part of this endeavor and for being a part of the conversation. And we've got more episodes coming, more of the same, honestly. Uh, We are not going to be able to reboot ourselves. We continue to slightly tweak and reinvent and then go back to what we had done before. And you you know what? It's all fun, and it's all it's all about just having fun talking with friends and talking about some of the things that are important in our lives. And then also tying that in, in a lot of ways with the most important thing in our lives. And that is that we, we love God and yeah, we love story because God has given us story and God has uh, put that in our lives. And so all of these stories we've talked about, some of them not as great as others, but they've all been things that have touched us in one way or another and you know what it's just fun to talk about and i really appreciate you guys that we get to do this and i get to appreciate you listeners that we get to do this and we've got more coming we've got you know we're heading in toward the the halloween season so we got some scary stuff planned we've got some not so scary stuff planned for evan and (laughs) yeah so there it is there it is I do want to add that this episode was brought to you by the Woodprint Shop at thewoodprintshop.com. The Woodprint Shop is a printing company that takes pride in helping you display and preserve your favorite photos and artwork in a new and creative way on rustic wood planks. That's woodprintshop.com. Excellent. You guys have any words you want to add? Um well, it's been a, it's been a great run with you guys and uh I'm going to miss our classic looks and our our classic names and but uh, I guess I'll That's okay. Episode 253 will return to the numbering after 52. Oh, awesome. That's yeah, great. We'll return to yeah. the original numbering and right. also we'll have dual versions of ourselves from different universes. That'll be kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I I would say uh till we meet each other again, but instead I'll say uh till we have faces. <laughs> I like that. Nice. And Steve, you got anything? I'll just say the great divorce. No, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that didn't uh, work as well anyway. It's not, not a very good closer. I don't know. You played it for him, you can play it for me. Play it. 
Thank you for doing that the correct way. The correct You're quote. You're welcome. Instead of the one that everyone says. And I'm just going to say my correct quote is thank you so much for listening. And Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve MacDonald, and Dr. Jace O'Neill. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangers. Or you can leave us a voicemail on the Strangers and Aliens hotline. Just call 1-804-37-ALIEN and leave your message. And once again, thanks for listening. Steve, what was that quote from? Eleven! No! 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 Evan! No! I didn't know. Steve, Steve, you should have misquoted it, and he would have gotten it. Actually, he might not have. Not no. What's the misquote? Play it again, Sam. Oh, Casablanca! Yeah. Kaboom! I knew it. You knew the misquote. You knew the misquote. Yeah.